When we use the term commitment, how many of us are as committed to our walks with the Lord as Alex Honhold was a little over a year ago to a free solo of El Cap? Most of you know I have a history of alpine adventure and rock climbing. I have actually climbed El Cap myself. No applause necessary. But when I did it, it took three days. And a whole lot of hardware. Alex Honhold climbed 3,200 feet of solid granite without a single piece of protection. Top to bottom. It took almost four hours It's been considered by some to be the greatest feat of athletic achievement in human history. Because one slip after 100 feet, and I promise you, you are dead. Four hours of every single move you make being the potential for the end of your life to be the next move. What did he get? Well, he got some movie credits from National Geographic. He got some props from people like me that have done some climbing and those in the climbing world. He'll be able to hang his hat on one of the greatest achievements in all of athletic endeavor ever in the history of humankind, to be sure. But he didn't do it for money. He didn't really do it for fame. He did it simply because no one else had ever done it. It was there for the taking. Where are you in your commitment to the Lord as we enter into a new year? Are you as committed to Jesus as Alex was, to not losing his life? You see, because the Bible says that I count not my own life dear, the Apostle Paul wrote that it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live for him. How committed are you to the Lord as we move into a new year? You see, many of us will probably make some New Year's resolutions. But to what is your resoluteness anchored? What's the purpose of your resolution? Why are you here tonight? I want to encourage you. I want to strengthen you. I want to lift you up tonight. Because I believe the Lord wants to do monumentally great things through us for the kingdom. And they will be for eternal prizes, crowns, from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. They're not going to be for athletic achievement, 
They're not going to be for congratulations from people all around the world. As staggering as what you just saw actually is. How much more staggering is it when the angels rejoice in heaven because another soul comes to faith in Christ? How committed are you to this next year for the Lord Jesus? I want to give you four things tonight, four things alone, four simple things really, four challenges to your commitment and my commitment, our commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. I really want to give you a new way to look at the new year, if you will. And for some of you, maybe one of these things you've been pondering for a while, but I want to give you four, and I'm going to challenge you to endeavor to keep them for this next year. And I guarantee you, they will change your life, and they will change the lives of those around you. I guarantee it. Would you pray with me? Father, tonight as we ring out the old and we look forward to the new as we pass from 2018 to 2019, Lord, we we desire to forget that which is behind us. Lord, we want to press on towards that goal which is before us, the heavenward call that we have in Christ Jesus. And so, Lord, we want to give you our attention for these next 30 minutes and allow you to speak truth into our lives. Lord, help us to hear. Help us to obey. Help us, Lord, to make a difference in this world for your kingdom as we enter into this new year. But it start tonight, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Commitment number one. Anybody in the room struggle with your own past failures? Anybody in the room struggle with your own past failure? It's time to let it go. It's anchoring you to the past. It is causing you to be defeated before you ever get started. And it is time to say, I'm not going to live this way anymore. The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3 reminds us of these things. He said, forgetting that which is behind and straining, pushing, grasping for that which is forward. That which is lying ahead. I press towards the goal. A goal. And it's not just a 3,200 foot piece of rock. It's a goal that has eternal value. I press forward towards the goal. That for which God has called me to think heavenward. In Christ Jesus. 
That advice has stood the test of time, by the way. Will you receive it tonight? Will you forget what has been your past failures? Are you willing to let them go tonight? I can tell you with absolute certainty that everyone in this room has failed this year in something. I guarantee it. Now, I can't prove it. I can't read your minds. But because there's none righteous, not one, I'm pretty sure I'm spot on. Somewhere, somehow, in some way, to someone, maybe a bunch of people, maybe to your own family, the people you love the most, you have failed. And the enemy wants to take that failure and beat you over the head with it. That's what he wants to do. He wants to drag it out every single time there's a little misstep in your life and he wants to throttle you with that failure. And I'm challenging you tonight to be committed to letting go of that failed relationship, that failed financial decision, that failed attempt at parenting, that that failed workplace issue, that failed example that you have been of Christ. Anybody in here? And please do not raise your hand. Failed to be like Jesus this year at any point in time. I have. Anybody failed to say the right thing and instead said the wrong thing and hurt someone? Someone that you love deeply. And every time you go to open your mouth, that comes back in your mind. Well, if I say anything, maybe I'll repeat that mistake. The enemy wants to harm your walk with the Lord through dragging up your past. You need to simply remind him of his future. Amen? He is a defeated foe, but he wants to drag your past up so that you feel like you're defeated. And when you hang out in your past, I can tell you something about hanging out in your past. It's still just as not good as it was when it was your present. Amen? It's still, it, sometimes it even hurts more. Refuse to do it. Don't let the enemy have power over you. You see, if you continue to give the enemy power over you, he will take it. He'll take it. He'll say, thank you very much. You're right, you are a failure. You're always going to be a failure. The problem is your Bible disagrees with the enemy. For you are, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. Amen? You need to live like a conqueror this year. Stop living in the past. Lay hold of that for which you have been laid a hold of. And I know what that future is because the Bible tells us that it's good. Amen? And it's a future that contains hope. Stop torturing yourself. Look, it's true. We're sinners. 1 John 1, 9 reminds us 
that if we confess, he is faithful and just to not dredge it up ever again. You see, because when God forgives, he forgets. He tosses it in the dumpster of the devil and says, you can keep the failures. Because that's my son, that's my daughter. That's the child of mine that Christ died for. And they are victors. A second thing I want you to commit yourself to this year And this is going to be hard for some of you in this room tonight. I can tell you that. You got to let go of your grudges. You need to do some serious forgiving. You need to let go of those things which are seeds of resentment in your life. For some of you, they've been a lifetime. Some of you tonight are so deeply resentful of others that you're actually angry when something good happens to them. You're actually upset when the Lord chooses to bless. That's some of you in here tonight, I guarantee it. I know the reason I can say that is I used to be like that. I used to be so filled with grudge and anger and hate. So caught up in that that at times it consumed me. Oh, it's been a long time. But every once in a while, those same old things come back. And because I'm not as committed to forgiving And letting go of those things that are my grudges against whomever for whatever. The enemy gets to toy with them for a while, doesn't he? And he takes those things and he stirs them up. He he takes that unforgiving spirit that maybe some of you have tonight. He says, see, you're not really worthy of grace. How could you be worthy of grace if you're not forgiving like Jesus is forgiving? And so the enemy begins to speak into your life that because you have that grudge, maybe you're not even one of God's kids. Do not empower the enemy any longer. Press on, press forward, let go of the past and forget those things. Just let them go. Because here's what happens with the grudge. When you begin to nurse it, when you begin to build it up, it will destroy your marriage. It can break up your family. It will ruin your friendships. It can split churches. It can kill your relationships at work. When you harbor deep resentment, it becomes your identity. And the very thing that you want, which is someone to love you unconditionally, is the very thing that no one wants to do because you're miserable to be around. You see, the grudge that we hold oftentimes hurts us way more than it hurts anybody else. 
I want you to be committed to just let it go. Even if it's unresolved, the choice is yours to let it go. You see, because what Scripture says is as best as it lies with you, live at peace with all men. As Paul wrote to the church at Colossae, bear with one another. They're in chapter 3. Forgive one another. Whatever grievance you have, let it go against one another. Just let it go. Don't be anchored to it. During the Battle of Midway, during the Second World War, the largest naval engagement that's ever taken place on the face of the earth. There were two Japanese destroyers. One had already been hit by aircraft from the U.S. armed forces and was beginning to sink. And in order to save it, another Japanese destroyer pulled alongside And they were able to use a couple of different cables to pull the anchor chain of one of the destroyers to the other destroyer in hopes that it would keep the ship from sinking. They were never able to get it disconnected. Both ships went to the bottom. That's what happens with the grudge. It becomes an anchor chain. It's hooked to something that's already going down. And maybe it'll get too late. And it'll take you with it. Be committed to letting it go. A third thing. And it ties in with both of the first two. Be committed to restore broken relationships. You see, the Bible never puts all the onus on other people. The Bible puts the onus on us personally, on me personally, as best as it lies with me. In other words, what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Roman Christians was, Jeff, if there's any way that you can make the situation better, it's on you to do it. Are you committed going into the new year to restore relationships that are broken? Because it is your obligation. You may have come tonight and said, well, you know, they don't deserve it. And look, between you and me, I can take your word for it that that's a true statement. The problem is that doesn't solve the problem. That just furthers the problem. It pushes it down the road. It's difficult to forgive, isn't it? Anybody in here find it easy to forgive? I hope there are some. But for most of us, those are some of the hardest words in the English language or whatever else, what other language you want to speak. Would you please forgive me? Would you please forgive me because what I said was unkind. Would you forgive me because I hurt you? 
Would you forgive me because I did the wrong thing? And I want to share something with you that maybe some of you have not heard. There is no place in scripture that says the person whom has offended you needs to come to you to ask forgiveness before you forgive them. It's on you to forgive whether they've asked or not. If you don't believe that, read Matthew chapter 18. You see, but some of us are so committed to unforgiveness and so committed to the brokenness of these relationships that we refuse to be committed to fixing them. What do you think would happen if we were more committed to fixing them than keeping them broken? Wow. Think about it. Time, effort that you've put into keeping it broken. Reinforcing those unkind things that have been said. Adding to them the things that you can think of that might equally wound. Would you be committed to fixing broken relationships and being humble about it. Humbly saying, look, I'm part of the problem. Maybe it wasn't your fault. Maybe it was something that that you look at and it was the other person's doing. the quickest way to draw them towards you is to let them know that it's possible for them to get there. And just simply say, look, I forgive you. Would you forgive me? And when you get done, when you speak those final words, when you say, I'm sorry, when you go to your wife or you go to your husband or you go to your children, parents, can I tell you that the most important words that your children may ever hear is I'm sorry. Out of your lips. But you know what? Son, I'm not perfect. And I'm messed up. I was wrong. I should have never said that. Maybe that needs to be spoken to someone close to you. Maybe it's somebody that you just know. But it's keeping you from pushing on. It's keeping you from pressing forward. It's keeping you from the very best that God wants for you going into this new year. Because you're attached to that Anger, you're attached to that unforgiveness because you refuse to let go of the past. You're also not moving forward. You're you're dragging around a sack of rocks. You're trying to run while you have lead weights around your ankles. Commit yourself. If Alex Honhold could give himself to be committed to climb a slab of granite where every moment after the first five minutes meant death, can we not be committed to forgiving? Letting go of grudges 
and pressing on? You see, because these things are hard things, which also makes them hard things. Because the human heart is deceitful and it's desperately wicked. And who can know it? I wish it weren't so. I wish I could tell you that everyone in here, you're all little angel puffs. But you're not. Inside of you dwells no good thing. You get down to the bottom of who you are and every person in this room is pretty much selfish and self-seeking. Now we don't act on that, praise God, because of the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. But the fact of the matter is it's still there. And every once in a while you get an opportunity to say hello to the old man. I'm not talking about your husband. You got to mortify the deeds of the flesh. That means you have to kill them. That means you got to take decisive action against those things which are holding you back. If you want to do greater things, you have to kill the old things. Put off the old man before you put on the new. I'm a wannabe historian at times, and I love history. I get a number of magazines. One of them that I love is National Geographic, National Geographic History, but there was a book advertised a couple of years ago, and it was written by a man named Jim McKay, and it was about the Civil War. I read it on vacation, and it was Brave Men in Desperate Times, and in it, was a piece of history that, frankly, I could not believe. Matter of fact, I actually refused to believe what it said, but there was a a series of statements that were made by him, and he said he did research, and so I went and I actually researched it. But one of the most horrific things that I discovered regarding the Civil War, it was after the end of the Civil War that many of those who had been imprisoned and enslaved actually returned to being enslaved rather than being free. And there were many reasons for it, but I just couldn't wrap my mind. Why would anyone want to do that? Why why would someone think that way? I began to think of it from my own spiritual life. Romans 6.2 actually gives us pretty much the same picture. Do not let sin control the way you live any longer. Don't give in to those desires. You are no longer slaves to sin. You see, some of us go back to the things that hold us back because we are still slaves to sin. We've not walked in that new way of living with the same zeal with which we walked in our former way of life. Oh, in Jesus' name, let God heal those things in your life and move on. Commit yourself to turning your back on sin. The writer of the book of Hebrews in chapter 12 talks about a certain type of behavior in your life, in my life. Things that can 
stay stuck in there if we'll let them stay stuck. You see, we need to be committed to these things. Because deep within us, we all have our reasons for why we would hang on to a grudge. We all have a reason for why we won't move forward. We all have our reason for not forgiving and forgetting and moving on. We all have our reasons for the things that we have laid hold of that we're going to hang on to because in some weird way, that sin is our fallback position. It's some place that we run back to to comfort. For some of you men, It's pornography. Are you going to stay anchored to that? Are you going to commit yourself to turn from it? For some of us, it's we refuse to tell the truth. Well, we can. We just won't. It's time to commit ourselves to turn our backs on that sin. Therefore, we also, the writer of Hebrews said, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Do you realize what's being said? The angels in heaven are watching. It's seen. It actually isn't hidden. Those things that we engage in, even in the quietness of our own lives, when no one else is around, both the Lord of heaven and earth and the angels of heaven Still see what's going on. It's not hidden. We only think it is. And it's holding you back. You cannot run with endurance. You won't be looking unto Jesus while you're looking at pornography. You won't be looking unto Jesus while you're thinking about a relationship with someone else that you're not married to. You won't be looking unto Jesus when you spend most of your idle time with your mind completely overwhelmed with the effects of drugs or alcohol. You will not be looking unto Jesus while you're thinking about anger and bitterness and hate that has absorbed your life. It's just a simple fact that we can only dwell in one place at a time. And when you're dwelling somewhere where God says we should not be, you cannot expect him to be there with you. Oh, he's nearby, but he's inviting you to say, no, I'm not going to live like this anymore. Christ's death broke the power of sin. I'm going to ask our communion team to to come and begin to pass out the elements of communion right now. And as they do, most of you who attend here normally and regularly know that we're about to celebrate the Lord's Supper, the power that we have to actually keep these four commitments. Because you know what? I can't forgive without being forgiven. I can't let go of grudges unless... The grudge that God should have against me is let go of, and it has been. I'm not going to press on. I'm not going to be able to live a life that's without sin, without the power of the cross in my life. It's that simple. 
but because of the power of the cross and only because of the power of the cross. These four challenges, these four commitments I'm asking you to make going into the new year are possible for you. And in fact, they are indeed the reality God wants for you. The question is, will you want this reality for you? You're going to receive first the bread and then the cup. Please hold both elements. And again, I remind you, this is for believers. If you've not ever asked Jesus into your life, if you've not committed your life to the lordship of Jesus Christ, you can do that right now. By believing on his name, saying, yes, Lord, I believe I'm a sinner. And I believe you, Jesus, died for me. And in believing that, I also believe that you rose from the grave. You paid the penalty for my sin. You were beaten for me and your blood was shed for me. Say yes to Jesus and then please share with us at the Lord's table. But if you have not received Christ and for whatever reason you don't want that gift of grace right now, then I would ask you please don't defame my Savior by partaking of his precious body and his blood. Just allow it to go past. No one around you will think anything horrible of you. But I want to speak into your life for a moment. I want to be clear. Jesus broke the power of these things. Jesus broke the power of your failures. Jesus broke the power of your grudges. Jesus broke the power of your broken relationships. In fact, Jesus Christ has broken the power of sin and its penalty, which is death. He's conquered the grave. Why is that important to us as we go into a new year? Because these things no longer have to have sway over us. You don't have to let your identity be that grudge anymore. You don't have to let that sin reign in your body anymore. You have the power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is able to keep you spotless before the throne of God. Don't forget that. You see, this turning of a calendar year can be just another flip of a calendar page. Or it can truly be a new beginning. And for some of you, maybe you're doing great in all of these areas. But as I've pondered the people that I've talked to over this year, these are the four things that people struggle with. These are the things that hold people back from being great in the kingdom. These are the things that keep us from doing more for the king. These are the things to which we need to be committed, as committed as a skinny guy from Sacramento to doing the unthinkable and the impossible. 
That climb was impossible. I cannot even imagine. Now, what you don't know about that film crew and that film crew, two of those people were Alex's dearest and closest friends in the whole world. Jimmy Chin has climbed all over the world with Alex Honhold. Every click of the frame of the camera, the next clip could have been his friend going to his death. And that's how committed he was to capturing that event. And yet, what did he do? He said, I'm so committed to this endeavor that I'm willing to watch my friend plunge to his death. God, let that not be true for any of us, that there would be anything in our lives for which we would say we would watch our friends plunge to their death. God, help us if that's remotely true in any of our lives. I couldn't have done it. I could not have done it. But Jesus climbed it for us. Amen? Jesus climbed it for you. He scaled the mountain of your sin. He paid for every grudge. He he paid for every failure. He paid for every broken relationship. He paid literally for every sin. So you don't have to climb the mountain yourself. He's already climbed it. You just got to claim it. You just got to claim it. You got to walk in it. You have to be committed to being committed to him. And if you're committed to him, these things are already yours. They're already mine. Because in our weaknesses, it's his strength made perfect. Amen? Amen? It's the fact that I can't do it myself. That's where I see him in my life looming large. Jesus broke the power of these things over us. And so you can take the victory that he gave us. You can walk in it. If you'll ask, he'll do it. If you'll ask, he'll help you resist. If you ask... He is able. The only question is, is are you committed? Are you in? Are you fully in? Will you go all the way for Jesus because he went all the way for you? He held nothing back. reason we know that is the elements that you hold in your hand and first I would ask that you would take the bread and if you would hold it in your hands please and I want you to just take a moment and just look at it you, you might have never 
really pondered this. Maybe you've always just looked past, ah, it's it's a piece of matzah. No, Jesus said, as often as you eat of this bread, do so in remembrance of me. He was beaten. He was ripped to pieces for us. His life was forfeited because mine without him is worthless. But with him, I'm a child of the Most High God. Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took the bread, and when he himself had broken it, he said, Take and eat, for this is my body broken for you. Let's partake together. See, the reason you don't have to worry about those sins coming back to haunt you, the reason you don't have to worry about that issue of forgiveness, the reason you don't have to worry about one day Jesus saying, well, I got almost all your sins taken care of, but was because his blood paid the price for all of them. All of it. Everything. He held nothing back. He spilled his life's blood for us. As he left the courtyard of Pilate carrying his own cross, that wasn't his cross, that was your cross. It was my cross. When he reached the hill of Golgotha, he stood there with those thieves He was put to death where I belonged. I was the wicked one. I deserved to be nailed between those two thieves. But he was nailed to my place. And that spear that was thrust into his side was destined for me. But Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You see, for this purpose, he had come into the world that the world through him might be saved. And so he gave every bit. And so after supper, monumentally, Jesus takes the third cup, the cup that's completion, the cup that speaks it price is paid and he took the cup and he said this cup is a new covenant in my blood and he was referring to the old covenant that was the covenant of the law by which no one had ever been made right with God oh they'd gotten close they'd made it to Yom Kippur year after year, decade after decade, century after century. 
Jewish believers and Messiah had made it to Yom Kippur only to wake up the following day still in need of atonement. But Jesus said to tell us, die. It's finished. It's finished. There's no more sacrifice that's necessary. He said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Shed for the remission, the remittance, the payment for the total resolution of my debt. Shed for me. Shed for us. His blood was shed for you. And as often as you drink of it, do so in remembrance of me. Let's share in the cup together. Would you stand with me? Father God in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, as we think of those words, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. Lord, these simple things that we couldn't do for ourselves, but you did for us. Lord, as we think of David, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil for thou art with me. Lord, you're with us. You paid the price so that we could be with you. And we thank you. Lord, we are committed to you. We're committed to forgetting our our past failures. The things that we did even this morning, Lord. We're asking you to help us let them go. We're asking you to help us to give up our grudges, Lord. Those things that we're holding, maybe even against people that we love. Lord, they've held us back too long. Please, please, God. Help us to forgive, even to forget, and to press on. Lord, help us to restore those relationships around us that, Lord, are wounded, they're broken. God, help us to be so fully committed that, God, your power flowing through us is able to do these things which to us seem impossible. Lord, help us to be committed to turning our backs on those besetting sins, those things that come up in our lives, Lord, that you know oh so well. We think others don't, but you do. God, help us. We need your help. We thank you that you died, that these things are possible. Lord, that by you and through you, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. But without you, we can do nothing. And so, Lord, we are committed to you going into this new year. We ask that you would use us. That you tear down every stronghold that exalts itself against you. That you would remove every weight and measure that besets us. 
Lord, if there's some area in our life that's keeping us from running, Lord, we give it to you. Do a fresh work, a new work, a mighty work. Lord, in us, your church. Lord, help us to preach the gospel with every breath, to live our lives in a way that's pleasing to you. We honor you. We praise you. We thank you for your broken body and for your shed blood. And we ask all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.